1: It is time now for our Longhorn Notebook, and uh, our uh, Longhorn Notebook takes us to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline. Uh, Longhorn's coming off the series win in Waco, including yesterday's uh, 7-6 win over the Bears. Joining us is Longhorn's head coach, David Pierce. Uh, How was that bus ride back yesterday?
2: Uh, One of the easiest, for sure. (laughs) Uh, Not bad at all. It's nice and short, and it's always great to leave with the win on a Sunday, for sure.
0: David, did you stop at Bucky's, let then Temple let the team out a little bit?
2: No, we came straight home. We didn't even shower. (laughs) Um, Normally normally we shower, but an hour and a half. We'd rather get back and shower here and get ready for today and give the guys a little bit of time in the evening to catch up on rest, schoolwork, taking their girlfriend to dinner, whatever. Yeah. Um, but just to get back home was good.
1: All right, I know this is a bizarre question, but I thought I just happened to think about this when we were over in College Station. You and I were talking with Jim Schlossnagel. He said because there was something going on when they played in Knoxville against Tennessee, and they had to, uh, something going on at Thompson Bowling Arena, and they couldn't use uh, the shower facilities. They had to get. They all got on the plane and flew home in their uniforms afterwards. So, uh, for, from your days and your in your many years as a coach, what's the longest Bus ride or flight you've had to do where your guys could not, and it could even go back to your days as a player, David, where uh, where where guys could not shower after the game and you just had to ride it home in the uniform.
2: East Carolina, 2001 or two, when I was at the University of Houston, it was a two-hour bus ride from Raleigh-Durham. And we go on our way back. It was a Sunday, so we had to play early. And so we hustled back. We did not shower. Um, We take the two hour bus ride to Raleigh-Durham and there was major, major storms in Fort Worth, Dallas-Fort Worth where we were flying into. And so we were delayed in Raleigh-Durham and then we got to Dallas-Fort Worth, missed the connecting flight, and then had a bus ride uh, from there. Got in University of Houston, back back home at Houston, about 7.30 a.m. on a Monday morning and it
1: was miserable.
2: It was the worst trip ever. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it was that bad.
1: <laughs> I, n- none of those images evoked in your mind when we were all there in Greenville for the Super Regional last June, were they?
2: <laughs> well, you know, we we had that delay and they were talking about yeah. having the charter on Sunday. I go, you can't have a charter on Sunday in a Super Regional because of potential weather. Because so you're going to play on Monday. And, a uh, and, uh, a regular season weekend series you don't hang over to the next monday so we were pretty safe but fortunately we made the flights for monday to get out and we ended up needing it because we played so late on sunday night at east carolina last year in the super but yeah there's always you notice i didn't hesitate on that road trip though it was it was by far the worst (laughs)
1: <laughs> you had it clear in mind. All right, uh, Longhorns head coach David Pierce joining us here. Uh, uh, a series win yesterday. You, you mentioned even on Friday night with it, uh, with the way that thing wound up. You you said you told the team you never apologized for victory, especially conference victory, and even on top of that, conference road wins as well. Uh, you know, even that said, I know you and the staff with the evaluation. You you feel good about coming out with the way your team hit the ball, the way your team um, defended, uh, the way Lucas Gordon. Pitched as well the way Heston Toll pitched uh, D J Burke I, I know there there were a lot a lot of positives that is it important for you and and the staff to remind the guys of all those positives even with the specter of the craziness of what happened and the and the unple- unpleasant things that happened at times during the weekend with the bullpen
2: yeah I mean the Big Twelve Power Five baseball I mean there's sometimes you win ugly there's sometimes you You know, I would much rather hold on to that and win the game as opposed to pitching great, playing great defense, and getting beat 3-2, to and everybody says, well, it was a great game, but uh, each game has its own separate narrative, and you go into the ninth up by eight, and you feel pretty secure of going into some of your other guys, and we just didn't get it done, Unfortunately, we hung on to win it, but it's not how you design it, for sure, but you're right. I told the team, I said, look, we've got a good turnaround. Don't feel sorry for yourself because you didn't pitch well. Don't ever apologize for winning a game. Understand it and move on. And, you know, unfortunately, it happened again the next day. And um, you can look at so many things because nobody wants to get beat. The, I would much rather, of course, everybody says, well, you know, they hit a walk-off home run to beat you. Of course, they they have to earn it. But you look at some of our arms, too, and they're very big arms, um, and command sometimes become an issue. And with that being said, you look at if he's going to give up a bunch of hits, he can't walk, guys. If he's going to walk a few guys, he can't give up a bunch of hits. So we look at the whip. Uh, But all those guys have to improve, and they know it. Uh, None of them feel worse about it. I mean, there's no way as a a fan or, you know, as a – Media personnel or even coaches, I mean those kids understand it. it means something to them, and they're frustrated. I will say this it, umpiring has gotten much tighter, and uh, we check a trackman report on umpires reports every single game and and I've never seen so many strikes called balls within the the box of the trackman report, and it's really interesting to try to figure out because I'm not saying we deserve better on uh, Saturday but I I watch it after the end of each game and when you're looking at umpires 80 to 85% in a rating, you know, they should be minimum low 90s um, for a good rating. So you know, that's something they're working through as well, um, trying to figure it out. But you don't ever apologize for winning the series. You're disappointed you had opportunity to sweep and you didn't get, get the sweep. But um, you know, it's a new week now, and we move on.
0: David, since you got here, uh, organizationally, you guys have, have done really well with the guys you've gotten out of the transfer portal. And, you know, you look at how well Garrett Gilmet and Porter Brown are playing for you in conference right now. I mean, Garrett's hitting almost 400 in conference. Porter's hitting uh, almost 380. You look at run production, OPS. The, the numbers are there. What What's special about these two guys that you got out of the portal? And more, more than the numbers – Uh, What have they brought to you guys from a a clubhouse, just a day-to-day standpoint?
2: Well, Garrett hit like 280 in the two years at USC in a good league. So if you can look at kind of their past of what their success or non-success was, it's pretty safe when you look at that type of league and you look at where uh, Garrett and where um, Porter came from. So they're known hitters. And I think – Uh, our staff has done a really good job of getting them to be more comfortable in their approach. And both of them are really good in the middle of the field. And I think that's the key why you see their production. You know, most head pull hitters become unlucky hitters. Uh, You know, they just tend to not get additional hits when they square up a ball. And both of them stay in the middle of the field. Garrett's done a great job staying in right center field, Porter hits a ball off to of left center field uh, yesterday for two big RBIs, and then you look at, you know, Porter's home run production has been probably 50% to left center field, so it just puts him in a good spot to be on the breaking ball. Um, but as far as clubhouse guys, you know, Porter's such an interesting kid because he's a Texas kid, um, he's also a grad transfer, so he's he's seen a lot and he's been in this league, um, so. He's so critical as if he were a guy that's been with us, like an Eric Kennedy or Dylan Campbell, uh, Mitch Daly, that's been through the Big 12. And then you take Garrett, and his skill set is outstanding. The play he made in the ninth on the delay still um, sometimes surprises some guys, and he threw a rocket down there. So uh, I love what they're doing. I love their energy, and they have fit in the clubhouse extremely well
1: visiting uh, with Longhorns Head Coach David Pierce here on Light the Tower. Uh, uh, You've got to – uh, you have a game on Wednesday this week instead of Tuesday, and I'm sure you probably feel like as much as you've had to use the pitching staff of late, uh, that's uh, that's probably a good thing and a rest, uh, extra day of rest. I want to ask you about one guy. You and I have talked a little bit about him, but, he, but he's been a fascinating story, and that's Kobe Minche, uh a guy who uh, was homeschooled. And I, I asked you when we were down in San Marcos, how would you find this guy? And you said, you know, word gets around. It's that old thing about if you can play, people will find you. But I think what surprised a lot of folks and what has impressed a lot of people is uh he seems unafraid to attack the zone and go after guys
2: yeah his dad pitched in the big leagues uh on and off for 18 years and uh, they're from Darrell Texas and it was right after I hired Woody and we got word because Rod knew the dad and they were considering taking him to Baylor and so we got on him right away Woody and I went to see him pitch and three pitch mix in a summer league game is about 105 degrees. And the kid had good energy attacked then. Uh, and then afterwards uh, just sitting down and talking with he and his family, they were just very excited. But, but Kobe has a good IQ. He understands pitching and he went through a little lull in the, in the late fall, early spring, where he started trying to change too much. And we just went back to him and said, you know, even though you're young, you do a lot of things really correct, and you've got a great delivery. So let's get back to where you were. And um, he gave us a great outing last week. He's been out two times now, but it's kind of a late starter for us. And hopefully he can give us that that next starter um, midweek, uh, maybe in a tournament, you know, and keep building him to become that. So we'll most likely see him start on Wednesday. Uh, interesting week for us because you're right. We, coming off the road, Monday's our normal day off, um, but Tuesday we usually turn around and do our extra period during the day, and then it's not a lot of teamwork, and then we play. We need some team. Uh, we need to work on some coverages. We need some things with our uh, pitching and infield and just getting a little bit more secure in some of the things that we want to do and then just getting some of these pitchers to relax and and trust themselves and that's what's interesting about a lot of the uh, kids in this generation i think they have such a work ethic but they're so structured and they if they get out of structure at times they they have they have they have struggles of just getting into the competition and and really the ownership of it and uh so i think we need them to get a little bit more involved in Uh, the film work and to get a little more confidence of the type of hitter they're facing and and realizing that, you know, their stuff is good. They just got to attack the zone.
0: Yeah, David, I want to – I was going to go there next, and and since you led me there, you know, when a guy struggles or has a bad outing, whether it's it's you or or Woody, does – does the dialogue with a guy change the, the later you get in the year or is it just case by case? Hey, this guy needs to, you know, be, just be reassured. This guy needs a, a kick in the pants and just take it case by case. How, how do you handle the, the mental side of it when a guy struggles?
2: Well, anytime you struggle, let's just go defensively. We we were playing outstanding defense, knock on wood. And I just hope that continues, but um, there's a lot of pride about it. And there's guys that, have a lot of confidence and want the ball hit to them, and you can see it. Um, but when you start talking about guys that struggle defensively and you start talking about errors, well, it just compounds it. And it's the same thing with the base on ball three pass. As soon as you bring it up, just plan on it getting worse. And so you try to manipulate that a little bit case by case. And each guy is a little different Why they – have their struggles. Had a great conversation with uh, Travis Daly last week regarding why he moved from Saturday to Sunday. And, you know, with that being said, I thought his demeanor was so good. I thought everything he did was right. He went four and two-thirds, didn't give up a hit, but very uncharacteristically walked eight guys. And so you kind of scratch your head and go, how does that happen? And when I pulled him out of the game, he He was just so frustrated as well. And I don't think Travis was pitching off the plate. I just don't think he, you know, pitched ahead of some guys who were hitting below 200, and you've got to realize that. And, you know, so you deal with that. And then Zane's a different kind of guy where, you know, Zane is very aggressive, but sometimes he he gets ticked off, and instead of being ticked off, he just needs to stay more like an assassin versus, you know, moving towards, Angry and angry meaning you know he gets a little embarrassed and ticked off when a guy gets a hit, and you have to explain to him that even though you have good stuff, they're going to get some hits, you got to stay on attack. Um, so each guy is so different, they really are. And there's group conversations, there's staff conversations, uh, but I think the individual conversations, whether it be Woody and I with the with the pitcher, or Woody alone with the pitcher, or or just me sitting down with one. I think that resonates to those kids a lot more.
1: Uh, you're in first place of the midway mark of the conference standings, and and uh, other than that, uh, I, it's it's difficult for me to uh, kind of. Uh, understand everything that's going on in this league because you look at some things like uh, TCU's been good They uh, but they drop a home series to UNC Wilmington in non-conference play Oklahoma State have been really good obviously they drop a home series to West Virginia, uh, then uh, Kansas State sweeps Kansas and I thought about this, I thought about you yesterday the pitching, the old pitching coach in you when they scored 13 runs on 12 hits in the top of the second inning alone they were up 13 nothing and had to hold on to win 21 to 18 yesterday in Lawrence. Uh, it's it, is it safe to say it's but uh, not only competitive, maybe a little bit of a strange year in the Big 12. Uh,
2: definitely. Uh, and again, I'll go back to some of the things that are happening with track men, and and you're seeing much more, many more base on balls throughout the country, along with more home runs, uh, more offensive production, and uh, it's just kind of a different year but um take TCU they have some really great young pitchers and they kinda of struggled with the same thing of commanding the baseball. Um K State was really competitive here and continue to do that there, but I didn't see us scoring twenty one against K State's pitching. Um <laughs> so yeah, it it's it's crazy. I mean you could see where Baylor's top five guys in their lineup for They're different than they were at the beginning of the year. So you had to really pitch to them. But you couldn't afford to put the bottom portion of the lineup. You couldn't afford to walk them. And that's what we did. And so we were just always in a struggle. But, I mean, you have, you know, look at this. You have Texas Tech goes to Oklahoma, wins the first two, and just gets just blown out on Sunday. You see that a lot. Uh, And I haven't seen that with our team. We've been very competitive in every game except uh, probably the Vanderbilt game, game three, and then running out of pitching on Tuesday against Texas State where, you know, it was just one of those deals. But um, it is different. It's a lot more offense, and it's offense in different ways. I mean, you look at – I think we've hit 47 home runs, but we've only given up 20. So we haven't given up a lot, and slugging percentages against us is very low. So it's a give and take. We're trying to clean it up, but at the same time, you figure out how to win. And, and that's that's what our team has done. The turnaround after Saturday night um, and just get popped in the mouth unfortunately unfortunate way and then come back on the road when they have all the momentum and, and come from behind twice yesterday, And when the game shows a lot about our team. It shows a lot of grit, a lot of toughness. Was it pretty? No, but we got the job done.
0: David, uh, what's the latest on Tanner Witt, uh, his timeline, and and where he's at in the process of getting back?
2: Yeah, he's uh, throwing the hitters this week again, and then uh, we look at where he is and potentially start getting him in some short outings in the following week if everything's right.
1: Hey, I, I'm glad you took time to join us, Sarah, and uh, uh, look forward to seeing you at the ballpark on Wednesday. And good to know that uh, you'd have to w- have to go a ways on any future trips, be it in the Big 12 or in the future years in the SEC, to top the East Carolina trip of 2001 for, for a dirty, messy uniform return. So that's good to know.
2: Yeah. yeah that, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know. I hope I don't ever top it. Okay.
1: Hey, David, <laughs> thanks for the time. I appreciate it. See you at the ballpark on Wednesday.
2: All right, guys. Appreciate
1: you. All right. That's David.